and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Moxley's pass, a shot, they score! Trinkley Cutter scores! What a stop by Hellebach! Nikolai Ehlers off the faceoff! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Well, hello again, and welcome back to the Ground Control Podcast, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here by Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton and 680 CJOB's Jamie Thomas. Uh, Well, we look at the standings, and the Winnipeg Jets sitting one point back of the Minnesota Wild for first in the Central Division, uh, 20 and 19 points respectively. And uh, we were joking off air before we started. uh, We were wondering where that one point went. Uh, I think Jets fans will all remember, but choose to forget. It's painful. Yes, it really is. Uh, obviously, if you're not aware, it was against the Minnesota Wild, the uh, the tough uh, overtime loss in the Minneapolis capital. But how about the run they've been on since? Oh, yeah, there absolutely. Let's talk about that. Uh, speaking of runs, uh, seven-game homestand is uh, coming to a close here. But, Jamie, let's talk about the past week. The Winnipeg Jets coming off a dramatic 3-2 come-from-behind overtime win against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, some solid efforts against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, a game they ended up losing against the Blues, but I think was probably their best game of the homestand. Uh, just what have you thought of the Jets play this last stretch here at Canada Life Center? Well, there's two periods where you, that you don't like. Well, we'll go, we'll go about uh, two periods in five minutes. But you go with that opening period against St. Louis, a lot of that game was spent on the perimeter, and then some video was shown in the, in the intermission of that after the first period against the Blues, and then the Jets started getting more direct to the front of the net, more pucks to the net. Jordan Bennington was a very busy man uh, in that game, and certainly the Jets deserved a much better result than they had outside of overtime. It's been a long time, guys, since I've seen a team constantly retreat back into the neutral zone in overtime, get new players over the boards, come back in, but it it was extremely effective for the Blues, who outshot Winnipeg 10-1 to in that overtime period before winning in a shootout. And San Jose, the Jets owed San Jose something um, because there were two games uh, in California against the Sharks. The Jets played pretty good in but deserved better results. And, of course, that one game against San Jose that turned out to be the COVID game where seven players and the head coach went out and there's a big delay there for a little bit. But overall, you like what they did against the San Jose Sharks. Then Los Angeles. So the Kings come in having won seven straight after losing to the Jets. And you talked about where those points are missing. I'm sure Los Angeles will say the same things as they sit uh, in, in the middle part of the, of the Pacific Division. But you wear them down, you, you remain patient, and then Mark Scheif, well, first off, Dylan DeMello gets his first goal as a Winnipeg Jet. Yes. As a sh- it's a shorthanded goal. And that's as happy as I've seen the bench in some time re- react to that, on top of when Nate Schmidt got his first goal as a Winnipeg Jet too. So, And then for Mark Scheifele to get his first Goal of the season is such a strange thing to say at this time of year, but he gets that overtime winner, a nice pass from Nikolai Ehlers, and there's been some line juggling and, and the like. But overall, you win game, you win a game that maybe you probably you shouldn't have, and then you win, you control a game that you, you gets an opponent that you've had trouble with throughout the year and then deserve a much better fate against the St. Louis Blues. But overall, this homestand has been everything. It's had a lot of everything. But the Jets have won a lot more than they've lost, and you have to be pretty happy with the past the past six days. Jets sitting 7-1-2 in their last 10. Uh, and I can confirm the bench was going absolutely bonkers when Dylan DeMello put the puck in the net. We have Evgeny Svechnikov mic'd up, and uh, there was some great uh, yes. stuff from there. So look for that on Jets TV and all our social platforms uh, in the coming days. 
But uh, yes, everybody was going absolutely yeah. nuts for that goal. So uh, congratulations to Dylan on that great achievement, his first of many, we all hope. Uh, shifting now, uh, Mitchell Clinton, uh, let's talk about the line combinations. Uh, Monday at practice, uh, things are a bit different. Obviously, Paul Stasny was not on the ice, so that's still throwing a bit of a wrench into things. But as we sit right now, we have Shifley between Kopp and Ehlers, Dubois between Wheeler and Connor, Lowry centering Svechnikov and Harkins, and uh, Nash between Tony Nato and Christian Veselainen, although Tony Nato did leave practice early. I think you tweeted he took a stick up high. So uh, just what are you what are you thinking of the new line combinations that uh, Paul Maurice is uh, trying out? It's going to be interesting to see, especially because you have the very team that you're almost building these lines for, if, if that makes any sense, uh, coming into the building and you're seeing them twice this week. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers really haven't had Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the same line much at all this year. And... So Paul Maurice was asked about Edmonton uh, pretty much immediately after the Los Angeles Kings game. And the thing that stood out to me was Maurice saying that, look, I'm going to need two lines to really go up and to to line match or or to use against McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're they're two powerful lines that are producing a lot for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, They're going to be closing out a five-game road trip when they come into Winnipeg. and so, obviously, you, you want some lines that you can go with. And, obviously, Shifley's had that role before. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, looks like he's probably going to be one of those guys that might get uh, a look at that as well. But just the way that it, set, that it sets up, Cop Shifley, and Ehlers seems to be a line that the Jets got to when there were injuries, and then guys would come back to the lineup and they'd go away from that line. But Paul Maurice said, you know, I've liked what I've seen from that trio. So, at this point... Yes, Paul Stastny is out, so that you do still have an injury, but he wants to see what that group is capable of. Obviously, in overtime, they were capable of great things. That's three-on-three, of course, but um, we'll see what what they can do at five-on-five. Connor Dubois-Wheeler, I mean, you got two guys that can move and two guys that can check, two guys can get on the puck, and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler, and then Kyle Connor, basically everything he touches is going in the net, so that tends to work out for him. Harkins-Lowry-Svechnikov is a line that I'm going to be interested in. Uh, just to see how Paul Maurice uses them. Because one of the things that made the Jets, especially in the playoff series against the Edmonton Oilers, really good was Maurice didn't really, like, yeah, there were some line matches for sure. But if McDavid's line was out against, you know, at the time it was Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis, and I think Dominic Toninato as well, you know, it was like, okay, like, we we can handle this shift. Like, we can handle this. Uh, So the Jets were able to roll lines and be effective and so I'm curious to see how this all comes together Maurice also liked Tony Nato Nash Veselainen in their game against the Los Angeles Kings as well and then obviously on the blue, on the back end um Morrissey Schmidt Dylan Pionk Stanley DeMello they've been uh, real good over the course of the season so really excited to see the Edmonton Oilers come into town and then you know head over to Edmonton and take them on in their barn as well it's gonna be a really really cool home and home series Absolutely. Uh, somebody who's been just electric this year to watch, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Eight goals, six assists in 14 games. So he's a point-of-game player as we record this podcast. Uh, Jamie, th- there's a, <clears throat> there are many roads mm-hmm. we can go with Pierre, but I- I'll leave it up to you. Um, it seems as though he's not deferring this year like he was right. last. It's been talked at length about the quarantines <laughs> and just the adjustment period that the young man had to get acclimated with this Winnipeg Jets team, but he really seems to have closed the book on last season and really started off strong here in 
Yeah, I, I you, you go back to the training camp, and I remember Pierre Luc Dubois' first availability, and he talked about last year at length, and then Paul Maurice was questioned about how long he's going to have to talk about it, and then I'm pretty sure Paul Maurice said that's up to you guys. You know, I don't think we really need to talk about last season anymore, right? Because he's just he looks fully acclimated to what they're doing here, fully acclimated to whoever Paul Maurice plays him with, which has for the most part been. Kyle Connor, Evgeny Svechnikov, but now there's been a change in that department with Blake Wheeler on the right side of that line. I think he keeps getting better as the season wears on, and it just seems like he's getting stronger, and that must be terrifying for the players that go up against him. He's really good at putting that one hand on the stick and driving to the front of the net, and, and it's really hard for defense. Defensemen have to work particularly hard to keep him to the outside, and him and Kyle Connor have got to know each other where they're going to go they're constantly looking for each other whenever they have the puck on their stick and that part's been really fascinating to watch so it he's been everything you'd want out of a number one center and now I think this challenge coming up this week with back-to-back games against the Edmonton Oilers can you run with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid when the opportunity arises uh, Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler have done such things in their time the question is, can Pierre-Luc Dubois outrise this challenge? But he's strong enough and fast enough, I think, and smart enough that I think he should be able to do it. Uh, Mitch, we touched on him in our first uh, answer with Jamie as Dylan DeMello getting his first goal as a Winnipeg Jet. But uh, just what have you seen from the, the defenseman? Uh, obviously, right now he's sitting at a 52.4% shot attempt percentage. So when your third-pairing defenseman, and I say that in air quotes, uh, is sitting on the positive side of that ledger and only averaging about 12 minutes a night. Um, just how beneficial is it to have a quality defenseman like him in that three-hole that you can just rely upon and then also play in the offensive zone? And I think that time on ice number also kind of speaks to the fact that he was able to get up the ice on a penalty kill and have the juice to get down there in time to keep up with those guys and then put the puck in the back of the net and save the game. So just what have you thought of his play this season? Yeah, really good, just steady like he always is. Uh, and obviously, I mean, like you said, we talked about it a bit, but you can tell that the bench was extremely jacked for not only the fact that now it's 2-2 in this game against the Kings, but it's Dylan DeMello that got it. The guy just comes to work, does his job, does it well, does it consistently, and those are guys that you love to see rewarded. And the other thing about that play is the pairing, obviously, is, is DeMello Stanley. Logan Stanley makes one heck of a pass uh, to mm. get that puck moving upwards to uh, to Andrew Kopp uh, into the neutral zone. And that's what sent the, the Jets the other way. And the Jets have just been getting contributions from the back end all season long. And I was looking this up for uh, the piece that you can read on winnipegjets.com after practice on Monday. Um, the Jets have gotten out of their entire offensive uh, point production, 28.2% has come from the back end, and that was that's going to be tied for eight in the National Hockey League. You go back to last season, and the Winnipeg Jets were 30th in the NHL at 17.5%. So you talk about some of the additions. Now, Dylan DeMello is not a guy that's you know always going to be known for his offense. He's more going to be known about making the, the smart plays, the strategic plays, uh, the great reads to get the puck out of the zone, but... You know, if he's a guy that can also get up the ice like you, like Logan Stanley does, like Nate Schmidt, Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, these guys do this, you know, it's there's a little bit of confidence that, that comes with that, I think, if you're Dylan DeMello. No, is he's not going to be a 28-goal scorer every year or anything. I'm sure he'd love to be. But, you know, 
getting one, especially given the fact that it had been 132 or something games like that since his last one, it's just nice to have that off your back, and it frees you up a little bit, I would say. So good for Dylan DeMello, good for the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, the entire offensive production from the blue line has been great to watch this year. Kyle Connor is our guest here on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, and we're, we're four seasons into this, and this is Kyle's first uh, podcast appearance. So I don't know how we evaded us for this long, but uh, we got you, Kyle. Uh, Mitchell, you did the interview. Let's hear it. Yeah, he, uh, him and I talked about a number of topics, uh, mostly a little bit about uh, Evgeny Svechnikov, who he skated with in the offseason. We talked a lot of golf because in and around the time that uh, we were about to do the interview, it was announced that Mark Scheifele is going to be playing in the Manitoba Open again on that sponsor's exemption. Uh, Kyle Connor has played in it before, so he kind of discussed you know, how he was feeling during his time doing that and then also just about the uh, the incredible start that he's had to the season and there's some good lessons in it for any young hockey players out there I mean you think of Kyle Connor you think of that shot that release he didn't always have it he had to work at it so lots to like in this uh, interview with Kyle Jets fans November is hockey fights cancer month and we want you to join the fight you can support the cause by buying online raffle tickets at winnipegjets.com slash hockey fights cancer with all proceeds going to Cancer Care Manitoba. And don't forget the Hockey Fights Cancer game is on November 22nd versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. Get your tickets at winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Help hockey fight cancer today. Hi, this is Pierre-Luc Dubois, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Pleased to be joined on the Ground Control podcast by Kyle Connor and... Kyle, I mean, obviously you're off to an incredible start this season. Um, you're one of three most recent Jets to score 11 times in the first 14 games of a season. One of those names that you're with is Timu Solani. First off, how cool is that? And second, how would you describe the start that you've had so far? Yeah, it's been a pretty good start. I think it's just been, you know, throughout my whole career, just kind of building every single year. And I think I've gotten better throughout, you know, learn something that I can bring to the table every single year. And it's... Um, another great summer came in strong training camp and you know it's just building confidence in my game and um, you know in a structure and the way our team's been playing too you know we're off to a great start. I was looking back and since the start of the 2018-19 season you're fifth in the NHL in goal scoring and you've had 76 of them have come at even strength. Now the scoring touch is something that you know there's some players that, that work on it and develop it some people are, are born with it, but I would imagine even as you progress through levels, whether it's, you know, USHL into the American Hockey League, into the National Hockey League, what have you done to kind of work on your ability to, to put the puck in the net? Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, there's for sure natural talent, um, but it's something I worked on for a long time. And um, even going back to growing up um, playing minor hockey, I think, you know, I didn't have a great shot. Growing up, I remember one of my exit interviews with my coach saying, you know, this is something that you got to work on, you know, and um, so I really took that to heart. Next summer, you know, routine would just shoot pucks, just all different types of situations, you know, just in my garage at a net and, um, you know, work on backhand, one-time shot, every type of situation. And, you know, it just developed and over years of working on that, I think I've developed, you know, a pretty quick release um, from, from just shooting pucks. And I think, um, as the scoring goals, there's you can do it in so many different ways. That's what makes you know the best goal scorer so dangerous. Is you know it's it's you know Ovi on a one timer, but he, you know he, he gets to the net, he deflects pucks, and 
you know, he knows where to be. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the hockey sense, too. I think that's something I take pride in. I think I do really well is just reading the play and knowing what holes to get into and how to get open. And that's kind of, I think, I've, you know, evolved throughout my career at different levels. And, you know, learning how to score in different ways helps a lot. That's the lesson for if there's any uh, young young kids, young hockey players listening. I mean, it's something that's clearly even some of the best in the world, like yourself, have had to work on over and over again, and they keep improving that crap. So good lesson there. Um, your success at the University of Michigan, obviously well documented. As we record this, Michigan's five and one, ten and two overall. Do you keep up with them and how they're doing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so the big question that I have for you is they're incredibly stacked this year, like just in terms of prospects. So I have to ask, which top line was better? Your line with JT Comfer and Tyler Motter or the one that they're rolling right now with Matty Veneers, Kent Johnson, and Brendan Brisson? I don't know. I mean, history will tell, but um, <laughs> we, we lost in, uh, I think it was the corners, quarterfinals to the yeah. back. So, you know, if they go on and win a championship, I think that's enough said there. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh, off the ice a bit here now, you and uh, Mark Scheifele are two players that have formerly played in the, the Players' Cup, now the Manitoba Open, which is Mackenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada event held here in Winnipeg. You're a real good player. What was it like playing in that tournament? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had my brother on the bag, and um, it's something, you know, I grew up playing golf ever since I was a teenager, and, um, you know, loved it, never played competitively, really, and something that I was very interested in do and um, just kind of scheme up a golf course, right, with, mm-hmm. with your brothers, you know, one of your best friends. So it's it was a great experience. I loved it. It was very difficult. Um, you don't realize how difficult it is when mm-hmm. you actually get, you know, 200 people watching you on the tee box. You know, it's a different animal. Sure, playing hockey in front of fans, but it's it's different when you're playing golf out there. So it's it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And um, hopefully get to do something like that again. I had six people watching me tee off the first hole in the club championship, let alone that. Yeah. Um, did you hear from Mark at all that week? Do you remember? Uh, or afterwards? I, I'm sure we were talking. And yeah. I don't remember, though. Um, Mark was It was announced just today as we record this that he's getting his second crack at it, um, so you'll have a chance to fire back at him. I'm just curious. He, one of the things that he said that stood out was he's never been so mentally exhausted after a round of golf as he was his first round there. Did you find it the same? Because you were like, like you said, it never played competitively, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it's this you're playing the tips at Southwoods, like seventy two hundred yards or something like that. She's playing like seventy five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you play seventy five, and then you get a couple of holes around the teeth of the wind and stuff. Yeah. But, no, I'm interested to see uh, how Mark's going to shoot. He uh, he's gotten a lot better since you know he's he plays every day in the summer pretty much, and just speaking with a guy who's played him the past five six years, I'm curious what he's going to shoot. Last uh, golf question for you. What's the favorite course that you've ever played? You mentioned you've played since you were. Yeah, no, I played uh, played Whistling Straits, um, a bunch. Really, really fun course. Obviously, because the Ryder Cup, and yeah. they have a ton of golf events there. So it's really cool to see, you know, what type of shots you hit. Um, also, pretty fortunate to play Mirfield, um, you know, Jack Nicklaus's course down there. Um, and then there's a place in Arkansas, a Ocean Country Club down there. It's really nice. It's um, they say it's like Augusta down there, but it was the facilities were top notch. That's, that's nice. probably one of my favorite. Cool. Uh, last one for you. I remember in the preseason you mentioned that you had skated with Evgeny Svechnikov before uh, in the off season. Andrew Kopp mentioned he's done that as well. We just had him mic'd up for the win over Los Angeles. Uh, so there's a little tease for what the fans are can be ready for. But what can you tell us about Evgeny off the ice and what it's been like having him uh, on the team this year? He's a really good guy. He's great, you know, for the team. Does everything the right way. He he plays really strong, and he's um, just as a player, you know, he's got um, a real good shot. You know, I think it's very underrated in his hands and um, the way he thinks the game. And 
plays really hard, so he's he's had a great start to us, and I'm sure he's going to keep getting better throughout the year. Kyle, thanks for this. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Winnipeg Jets fans, did you know that online 50-50 tickets presented by PlayNow.com are available for all Winnipeg Jets games? That's right, whether the Jets play on the road or at home, you can participate in the game day 50-50 draw. The winner will take home half of the jackpot with all proceeds in support of the True North Youth Foundation. Remember to buy your tickets on all Jets game days at winnipegjets.com slash 50-50. Thanks so much to Kyle for taking the time to do that interview. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets this week are on the ice three times for National Hockey League games. They have the home and home on Tuesday and Thursday against the Edmonton Oilers. And then on Friday, they close out this week with a battle against the lowly Vancouver Canucks. They are struggling right now, and uh, I just hope they figure it out after our game. Uh, Mitchell, just what can we expect from the Winnipeg Jets this week through these three games? Keeping in mind, we'll touch on the home-and-home aspect with the Edmonton Oilers in our next uh, segment. So I'm going to spout off all the stats about the Edmonton Oilers. No, I'm just kidding. And just uh, sewer Jamie. <laughs> just leave, no, me nothing. It was, leave me nothing. <laughs> yeah, you might have heard of, of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. They're two pretty good players. So if you're listening to this podcast before the game on Tuesday, winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Come and, come and see the Jets against the Oilers because obviously there's going to be a lot. You know, the rosters are a little bit different, but... Let's not forget, this is the first regular season meeting since that playoff series last year. And so there's, and Brendan Dillon mentioned it, like Edmonton's going to have a little bit of jump. It may be the end of a road trip for them, but you know they haven't forgotten. Um, It was three overtime games in that series. So it it was a a real tight one. And if you're on the losing end of that, I mean, I remember in 2018, you know, the first time uh, seeing Vegas after the Western Conference final, it's like I wasn't even on the ice, and I'm like, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? So for Edmonton, I'm sure it'll be the exact same. Then, of course, yeah, like you said, the Jets will go back uh, to Edmonton. They'll go on the road. That actually starts a stretch for the Jets of five of six on the road. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, you know, you get back on the road, you play uh, another back-to-back. The Jets haven't had a lot of those this year. And then, like you mentioned, Vancouver's having a tough go of it right now. Um, so we'll see some former Jets in that regard in uh, Tyler Myers, Tucker Poolman as well. So it uh, will be interesting to see how the Jets match up with them. But uh, anytime you can find a way to get some points in the standings, because that's something that I've noticed, especially in the early going, it's, it, it is an absolute log jam right now. It really is. Uh, no matter what uh, conference or division you're in. So points are at a premium. The Jets have done well to pick up as many as they have over the last little while. But it's almost like, well, I guess we have to keep this pace up to even hold our spot, let alone gain uh, any spots in the, in the central division standings. So three big games coming up this week. The two games against the Edmonton Oilers, there's no doubt, will be just absolutely massive tilts for both teams. They're, you know, Mitch, you mentioned it. You know, Edmonton's going to come in here full of jam, ready to prove uh, some points. Obviously, uh, with the the sweep of Edmonton last year, they're going to be full of it. Uh, but on the on the flip side of that, I feel like Winnipeg ha- has to be motivated in a different way, but just to the same degree. I mean. They swept this team. You want to prove that you can do it again and again and again and again. So just how excited are you to uh, see these two games? I'm pretty excited because there's a lot of new faces on both sides of this, and I think that can't be left out. Like Mike Smith was such a huge part of what Edmonton did. He was so good in that series against the Jets, but he's not the main guy now. And I remember last year with the Oilers, a big part of their issues early on was the poor play of Mikko Koskinen. It's been the exact opposite this year. He's been unbelievable for the Edmonton Oilers 
They've added Zach Hyman uh, and, and playing him on the left side with Connor McDavid and, and Jesse Pugliarvi. And for the most part, Dreisaitl and, and McDavid have been kept apart from one another outside of that stupid-looking power play that's ranking really close to about 50% this season. They are by far the number one power play in the National Hockey League right now. Duncan Keith's on the back end, Cody Ceci. There's a, there's a whole different look to the Edmonton Oilers right now. Warren Fogle's been pretty good for them too. Ryan McLeod scored his first NHL goal the other night. So this is a much deeper Edmonton Oilers team, I think, than a year ago, and that's saying a lot. I think Edmonton capitalized on the All-Canadian division. They weren't this team that we're seeing this year. They're a handful um, that being said, they haven't played that well five-on-five five lately. And Dave Tippett made a point of pointing that out the other night. They escaped out of St. Louis winning 5-4. Um, but the Pat, the, just seeing them for the first time with fans in the building, um, there were four lights-out games last year in that playoff series. And to see a continuation of maybe a rivalry building here between the Oilers and Jets is, is something I'm all for seeing right now. Uh, speaking of all foreseeing, mm-hmm. uh, are you guys into the snow or are you liking it? Yeah, I'm all I, like snow is great. It just I can go outside and not die. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think the big thing for me is I'm all for snow as long as the roads are cleared off relatively quickly. That's my thing as someone who lives just outside of Winnipeg yeah. and has to commute in. You got so, a very different job. Yes, than we do. that's that's and my as only someone thing. who had to board you after the game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> couldn't make it home. Yes, that is the untold stories of Jets TV. Is after the game, what was it against St. Louis? I think it was. Yes. Yeah. So I had to stay at Tyler's place. So. Oh no, it was, it was San Jose. Right, was San Jose. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Thank yeah, God it was a win, or else it would just been a hurricane. Yeah, I would have been outside. You're sleeping in the garage, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your fault. Uh, yeah, I bought a snowblower because I... Oh, my gosh. I was yes. one shovel. We did one shovel, and I can't even take credit. My dad came and used his snowblower on it, so... You know, there you go. Pretty that's pathetic. The best part? Lie. No, it's not. It's called smart. That's what it is. Us like, <laughs> commoners that are using shovels every day to clean their driveways, I am super jealous of your choice. Thanks so much for listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. On behalf of myself, Tyler Esquivel, Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton, and 680 CGOB's Jamie Thomas. We'll talk to you again next week. This has been Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. Proceed with a